It's Sunday, October 25th, 2020, and you're listening to episode 554 of Fear the Boot, a show about tabletop role-playing games and a little bit more. Warning time for this episode is 47 minutes. Welcome to Fear the Boot. My name is Dan. This is Wayne. My name's Chad. And I'm Brodor. All right, so this week we're going to talk about something that was actually proposed a week or two ago, but we put it on hold because there was something I wanted to talk about, and I'm more important. But what Brodor and Chad wanted to talk about was minis, figs, and toy soldiers. And there's a couple different angles we're talking about this from. One was Brodor was trying to get us to play some game that does not involve the Enclave. I don't remember what it was. It's called Frostgrave, and their second edition just came out, and it's very good. And if you guys are interested in playing it, you don't have to purchase anything. I will provide all. I'll make you a different deal if you can adapt it so that I can play the Enclave. Dan, I I don't know what the Enclave is. So the Enclave is a faction in Fallout. and lost, by the way. Oh, depending on the place. They actually both won and lost. No, they, they've lost all of their centers. They've lost their nope. oil rig, their bases. <laughs> no, I believe, uh, <laughs> believe you me, I have read on this. The, uh, there are several, uh-huh. there, they have chapters that are still unaccounted for. Well, yeah, I mean, they didn't, they weren't eliminated. Yeah. But yeah, they were defeated. So. <laughs> I don't play the losers. America <laughs> was also defeated at Pearl Harbor, but did not lose. I don't see how that's relevant, but continue. <laughs> yes, they lost battles, but you know, they are still quite functional. But the point being... You really need to read the wiki on it. I did. That's how I have this information. But anyways, the I point... I wonder if they'll change it to a SharePoint site now that Microsoft bought them. Wiki? wiki- oh, yeah. The Bethesda. Bethesda, yeah. yeah. Who has the Fallout license still. Mm-hmm. So the point being, though, Brodor, that in Fallout... And there is now the minis game. Fallout was Wasteland Warriors or whatever. Wasteland Warfare. Yeah, Wasteland Warfare. There you go. Yeah, it's you basically play a squad level Warhammer Necromunda type game. Miniature skirmish game. Yeah, it's a miniature skirmish game. And they've got a bunch of different factions you can play. So you can play the Vault Dwellers. You can play the New California Republic. You can play the weird mutant guys that look like the Hulk. Yeah, you can play the super mutants. Super mutants. And one of the factions that they I wanted them to release, and they literally just released this, by my understanding, a few days ago as of this recording, was the Enclave. Yeah, I have to say, the minis which are is, really beautiful for the game, and I've never bought the game because they don't come, like, painted and put together. And I don't put together minis, and I don't paint minis, and if I tried to, they would not look good at all. game like that I was excited about. Here's a Fallout miniatures game, yeah. skirmish game. I want pre-painted plastic minis. So All you're, right, but, but you're point- going to get in the future when maybe not your kids, maybe hmm. your grandkids, but they're going to get exactly what you want. They're uh, going to get 3D printed minis is what they'll get. Oh, they're going to get color though. They're oh, it's going to be so good. But Broder, I'm just saying I will play Frostgrave if you will adapt the Enclave figs into the game. Wow. I mean, I'm not saying that I can't do that because I could, but it would be pretty lame. I don't, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't I don't want to get and look, there's only so much peanut butter I can put in my chocolate and that's a spoon too much. All right. And that's too many. Well, then maybe we need to not play chocolate. Well, <laughs> God damn it. 
So Chad had posed (laughs) on the forums a really interesting idea about the need for miniatures because you were saying, well, Chad, I'm going to let you because you're going to do a better job. Yeah, all right. So so getting back to what I was saying, we had a couple angles and one of the other (laughs) ones was the presence of minis in role playing games. Right, so you're talking about both war games and also role playing which, games. Which, which I I have never ever done this as a fear the boot host. I've never been comfortable even calling myself a host. I've always felt like an interloper. <laughs> but I will say this, and it's being said on the mics of Fear the Boot. Ergo, it is fact. Miniatures are necessary for a good role playing experience. Huh? huh. That's uh, demonstrably wrong. wrong. Yeah. Cool. I mean, that miniatures are necessary for a good, well-rounded role-playing game experience. You said the word necessary, so that makes me believe that if there are not miniatures, then it is not a good role-playing game? Well, no, I mean, you can can eat cake without frosting. I just don't... Well, that's a bad example because I hate frosting. I love frosting. Yeah, just don't... You can have food, just don't season it, right? Like, you don't get any butter, you don't get any salt, you don't get any pepper, no hot sauce. So, Dan, according to Brodor, your Skies of Glass game is apparently bland. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) It is. It doesn't have the enclave. It does not. You know what? Dan's right. It does not have the enclave. No, I'm kidding. It kind of has a group that's similar. I don't actually believe that, right? But I personally think Mm. that miniatures enrich the tabletop experience. I mean, they they don't necessarily detract from it. It kind of depends on what you're going for. But sometimes it does detract from it. So my opinion has changed a little bit over the years. When I first started gaming, I started with this group that didn't do miniatures. And when miniatures first came out, it became a like screeching halt. It felt like I was playing a Final Fantasy game and suddenly the combat music started and you quit playing the game you were playing to now play the miniature game. Get out your skeletons. Okay, where's the miniature? Bob, why isn't your miniature painted? Okay, but oh, wait. Hold on, guys. I got to get the box of terrain out. Here we go. Put it all out. Yes. And it's like, and now the combat's going to take two and a half hours. Well, Since yeah, it does then, get a little chess-like. Yeah. I've got to count how many yeah. squares I can move. Mm-hmm. And if I move this many squares, I can do this, but not this. And if I pass this guy, he gets an attack of opportunity. Which, see, to me, that's a game. Yeah. And, and that's that's cool. That is a game. That is and, a separate and game. And role-playing is a game. The thing about minis that I don't like is that what you're talking about, assembling the minis, painting the minis, getting them all together. I can't is actually a third distinct hobby. And two of those three hobbies I'm not into, yeah. nor do I have the time for. Now, on the other hand, like I said my, my opinion is more nuanced now than it originally was. That was when I came into gaming. Now I've seen it at the table where it has helped in some games. I'm not a paint or put together minis, but I have bought like the Pathfinders had those plastic pre-made pre-painted ones. And even the little cardboard standees where there's just a picture, so you have something, certain games do gain something out of it. Certain players don't seem to be able to visualize and get into the combat as much. I'm not one of those players, but I've seen those players when I've done organized play, where they need to see the minis to figure out how their character reacts. And they'll play combat in character, but they need to see it. And I've also found how not having a map just leads to people being utterly confused. Now, I don't mean a grid map. Sometimes it's as simple as drawing a picture of here's a building, here's a building, here's a mountain. And that's all you need to kind of see where things are. 
So I'm much more nuanced about it now than I originally was. My original opinion on minis was the moment they come out, the game stops and now you're playing a board game until you get back to role playing. But I have seen that not be the case. It depends on the group, the game, and the feel when it happens. Sure. And I think that's certainly a a very valid point. It's based on your experience, right? You haven't had good experience with miniatures. I have almost exclusively had good experience with miniatures at the table. And almost always my role-playing game experience has been enriched by having some sort of icon or representation on the table for PCs NPCs, villains and encounters, etc. Right. But there are a variety of aspects why I think it's valuable to the hobby so much so that I wrote a few hundred words of notes and realized I'm just going to turn this into a blog post for my website. So you should check that out at goinfo.org. Are you embezzling fear the boot time? The the (laughs) hobby, right? The hobby wouldn't exist. You notice I didn't answer that. The hobby as we know it, D&D, right? Biggest role-playing game right. in the world doesn't exist without miniatures, right? right. Yeah, that's if, where it came if from. Gary Gygax and Dave Arneson are not playing Chainmail, dude, we don't have D&D. Yeah. We don't have Chainmail, we don't have D&D, we don't have D&D, we don't have Fate, right? I think mean, all right. of that stuff links back to having the idea that I'm looking at this toy soldier and instead of being the general who is sort of abstract and not there physically, I'm going to pretend to be that one guy in the unit. That's what spawns the hobby, right? And so to me, they're always going to be a really, really deep running and significant, essential component to the hobby for me. I love like miniature skirmish games, miniature games like board games and all. What I don't like about miniatures is, like I said, I'm not going to build them. I'm not going to paint them. I don't want to be judged about painting them. I don't want the only time I get to play this game is when there's doing a tournament or something. Or you have to go to a game store where you've got the people that are taking it way too seriously. If I play it, I want to play it with friends in the basement. You guys need to game at my house. Okay, so... That's what what's what we need to do. Is right. that I need to do a game. We're not going to do an AP. We're not going to do anything serious. No, I'm we're going to wear pants. Yeah, but we're just going to... We're going to play a game at my house. We're going to play 5th edition D&D. And you guys are going to experience the glory of toy soldiers all the time. Oh, every time. No, we'll do Transformers and... Dan can be and optimist. The enclave, and the Enclave led by Mr. Freeze. Mm-hmm. And you're playing all the Transformers. I was just saying, I know, I know Porter at his house has... Slow, slow down there. And instead of Frank Corrigan, it's going to be Narl as the Enclave's right. primary shock soldier. But see, what I'm trying to get at here is I know that Brodor at his house has Transformers minis because I bought them for Dad, and this would extort him into painting them and putting them together. So that that so they don't need to be assembled; they're already primered. Yeah. They're they're ready to go out of the box. They're but, easy ones from assembly standpoint. Yeah, they're, they're, they're the Wiz Kids ones. I mean, just unpacking that alone is much of my notes. The point that you brought up is like, well, hey, we've got miniatures for all of these interesting things that we can do. Nowadays, the opportunity to play with toy soldiers is better than ever because there are so many companies that are making high quality miniatures that are single pieces that you don't have to do any trimming, no cleaning, no assembly, nothing. All you literally take it out of the box. You can put it on the table. Some companies are making them in different colored plastics. So if you don't want to paint it, you don't have to bother painting it. 
the there's hu- also the new market of the 3D printed ones. Right. Where well, there are a little pricey, but yeah. Yeah. Or if you know somebody that has a 3D printer, you can download it and have them print it for so you. So you Hero Forge and Hero Forge 2.0, I can literally go to their website. I can build my miniature. I can pay them to print it, or I can pay them for the STL file, and I can print it myself. If I want it done in color and I don't want to paint it, I pay these motherfuckers to literally print with colored filament and they'll send me my miniature and it's in color right like and it'll die three sessions later and you will have wasted <laughs> your money because i did that in a BattleTech game did you yeah. really mm-hmm. he bought yeah. a mech i have three. two mechs because the first one the character died pretty quickly no. and the mech got destroyed now see what you what you got to do is you have to find a buddy in the hobby who's an obsessive miniature person and then that person well they'll just buy all the miniatures and then you come over to their house and you're like well i'm gonna play this i'm like well i've got 700 elves <laughs> um only 37 of them are wizards half of them are female and i've been doing uh, this for like 40 years so i've got a little bit of lead poisoning yeah. but it's cool <laughs> it's gonna be like you're just but we found one, but he's going to move across country from us, so we can't use him. Oh, that's terrible. So apparently we're not supposed to talk about that anymore, because my wife's stalker might find out where we're going, so I'm not supposed to be talking about where I move anymore. My wife got very upset with me the other day <laughs> because I mentioned it on the show, and so we're not allowed to talk about it any longer. Huh. That was a real roller coaster ride from minis. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this this whole cool. show's been a real roller coaster ride. <laughs> well, I'm, I, I, I'm, I will say people cannot view the studio. People cannot see the, the, the certain facial reaction stuff. Yeah. There's a very good animated conversation back and yeah. forth. Good info going on between Brodor and Wayne. And they both have a lot of points. They both have opinions and things to say. Great episode. Dan and I are like, I wouldn't say deer in the headlights, but it's <laughs> like, we're watching okay. a tennis match, and we're not super into okay. tennis, <laughs> but we're there long, because our friends are uh, playing. How long was it that you sat at this f***ing table, or to this very day, sit at this table, and you watch these two motherfuckers? We <laughs> finally have a subject that I have some modicum of knowledge on, and I'm excited okay. to talk about it. It's great, but... No, no, okay. Here's what we need to do, all right? Because <laughs> I say talk about the Enclave. No, no, yeah. we do, but that's not what I was going to say. Thank you, Stan. But... Are the Enclave the Aurora Project? Are they the American remnant? Uh, they are an American continuity program, continuity of government program. I did not use them as the basis for anything in the Skies Can of Glass game. Being a listener, not listening to the Skies of Glass AP, and not playing Fallout, and having no right, right, f-ing clue what this episode well, is about. Okay, that that's what I'm trying to fix. I apologize. Right now, there's, they're more like Aurora uh, with the Southern Army's military, like gold. So the uh, all right. This is a good episode. There's a lot of good things to talk about. <laughs> there is zero organization here. This is like the most disorganized. I had a plan. It's I like had a road I, I, I wanted Chad Brother, to Brother, make Brother. his pitch, and then I was ready. Okay. Yeah. You, don't, somebody don't. should be moderating this. <laughs> yeah, let's not meta show here. All right. We're going to start with wow. a, a topic. Now that we've had the world's longest and most meandering prologue to the show we are going to start with a single topic which is what do miniatures bring to or take away from the typical role-playing game now let me add a little bit of nuance here normally i hate it when you put in ground rules 
you really need to put in ground yes. rules. <laughs> Which is, for a moment, we're going to accept, yes, for some games, they are intrinsically necessary. You cannot play a game of Battletech without the map and minis unless you literally never deal with that aspect of right. the game. If you only play the Mech Warrior side, the role-playing game side, then I guess you're okay. But if you ever want to go to the mechs, whatever, you have to have the minis, you have to have the maps. That is not true in the majority of role-playing games. D&D can be played with minis or without it, all right? And that's true of a lot of games where you can use minis either for very, very literal combat of I get 20 squares of movement or whatever, or you can play with sort of an abstract of, okay, we're not actually counting squares and playing chess here, but you need to place your minis just so we have a sense where everybody is. It's a way of just kind of tracking the the scene of who's standing where and who's shooting where because this is getting too confusing. So we're going to talk about that in those games where minis are optional. And depending on your view, which you'll all be allowed to discuss, they either add to or take away from the game. How do we feel about that? So let's do you want to use a specific? Do we want to start with D&D like 5e? Yeah, let's start with 5e. Okay. I can start with a story too. Okay. About minis and why I don't like them in a role-playing game. And it's not actually fair to role-playing games or to the concept of using minis in role-playing. Okay. It is, it is a personal bias that is a Chad problem, not an actual problem. So I started playing role-playing games when I think I was 14 or something. I played the original Drod sort of castle module. Castle Ravenloft. Castle, castle Ravenloft. The module. I, I played it before it was a setting. And then after that, Dan and I, we, we played Star Trek and blah, 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 and, and all this stuff, all these great stories we talked about. Then I stopped role-playing for a long time. And then I had like a sort of second renaissance of role-play. I encountered a bunch of friends. They'd never played role-playing games before. I was sort of showing them how to play role-playing games, which was very interesting for me because in my previous groups, I was not the RP leader, so to speak. I was not the cheerleader, but here I was the main driver. And so I believe it was D&D 3 that it just happened to come out just right when I put this group together, just right when we were like, what do we want to play? Oh, look, it's a new version of D&D. Obviously, we're going to play that. And Wizards of the Coast or TSR, whoever the f*** it was, whenever it was, they had this thing. It, it very heavily relied on models. Again, but like what you're saying, Dan, you didn't have to play with the models. But 3 the, and 3.5 certainly did lean on them a lot more right. heavily than 2 or 5 did. And there were like big color photo inserts in the middles of the books showing model armies and how to use yeah, them. There are whole know. chapters about it and stuff. It very heavily implied that you really should be wanting to use models to get your full experience out of the book. And I believe that was when... TSR, again, whoever, you know, they changed hands. I, I don't remember. It's the it was Watsy. Watsy. It was Watsy. Started selling blind sleeves of miniatures. Like, you couldn't order, say, I want an orc miniature. You had to buy a sleeve of miniatures. You could not see what was in it. Yeah. And I'm assuming and, this is the days before, like, uh, Reaver and 
all of those companies. No, no, no. Uh, they all, Reaper, not Reaper. Yeah. They, they all existed. But not like they do. But now. yeah, if you went to Wizards of the Coast, and then later Paizo did the exact same thing, I believe. Yeah, yeah they, I they, did some blind they, boxes for the they Pathfinder were, ones. They were selling it in a collectible format, which irritated the shit out of me. That you, yeah, but yeah, like Chad's saying, well, you would buy a box yeah. and you didn't know what was in there. And yeah. I got into an argument with a shop guy at the fancy shop, by the way. I got into an argument with a guy behind the counter who was really leaning on selling these because I had used miniatures before. Dan had, talks about how he used to hand draw maps and we use miniatures. We play Battletech, tons of miniatures. Miniatures are great. I got into an argument with this guy where I'm like, I don't understand the whole concept. And he's like doing the sales pitch and it's collectible and blah, blah, blah. And it's like magic and you open it up and it's like, but I'm like, it's just a, I think a plastic skeleton, right? It's not like you get one that's a more skeleton. It's just a skeleton. And he's like, yeah, but it could be like a rare creature, like a Medusa or something like that. And I'm like, I'm running a game. I need five skeletons. For my encounter. For my encounter. And how many boxes do I have to buy to get a skeleton? Or what what if I want a Medusa? Well, Medusa is, and again, I'm making up the Medusa thing. Medusa is kind of rare, but I have a Medusa in my game. They're they're encountering a Medusa. How do I get a Medusa? Oh, well, if you want, and then he takes me over to the display case (laughs) of all the opened models that are priced as much or not greater than an individual blind sleeve, you could just buy them individually. And I was making minimum wage and working part-time. And I was like, this is the dumbest shit I have ever seen in my life. Yeah. When I played Battletech, if I got a Marauder, you know what? Didn't have a Marauder model. You bought a Ralpartho mar- Marauder. Yep, I bought a Marauder. Yeah. And there you go, I had it, and three games later it would get <laughs> blown out from under me. But you know what? Dims the shakes. You know, I... Know it, and then this is where yeah, Reaper did mm-hmm. when I wanted to use figs during that era. Reaper was a godsend yeah. because you could go out and buy yep a non-blind blister yes that was usually a lot cheaper than the official blind blisters anyway. And I, I, I'm guessing there's some younger people listening to this who might say, "Well, I don't know. Why don't you just get online and order it?" Uh a little too early yeah, for that. Yeah, a few years <laughs> later, yes. Yeah. That's or how... just go to eBay. Well, eh, <laughs> I mean, maybe eBay was around, but it maybe was, not. Well, and on top of that, it was still kind of sketchy back yeah. then. And I'm not even sure I had a computer, to be honest with you. Yeah. So, so all right. I am in the same basic seat as Chad. Yeah. That. Well, I just threw up my hands and I say, miniatures we're just not doing them but but what you're doing is you are taking watsi's fiendish gambling we want to recreate well if you'll excuse the expression the magic of magic right we want to we want to print recreate collectability right you're conflating that with the miniatures being good on the table right yeah that anecdote yeah. don't dispute it like i totally said, agree with you totally a chad problem never never bought that stuff yeah because it's horrible right however setting aside how i got my hand on the toy soldier having a treant on the table <laughs> when there's actually a treant in the encounter is so good see that's why i liked when pathfinder was doing those little pawn ones where instead of a figure you pop out the cardboard and put it on a standee. They have those as well. Fassa did that as well for yeah. Battletech. Which is great until you turn a fan on. 
<laughs> well, now, or so, that comes by. Well, yeah. so you've got you've got some problems there, right? Totally agree. I mean, the real sh- and you know, God bless Steve Jackson because he was one of the first people I believe to do this. But you have these crappy cardboard cutouts that folded over in a triangle, like yeah. these little. Sh- tense and you would cut a slit in the opposite sides and you'd kind of scissor them together right they would just <laughs> clam joust and and speaking of which i have to show you guys no i know we're, I, well, no, we're not but, discussing that in this show but, but uh, bros can scissor anyway those are crap but now there are companies that make these heavy clear plastic acrylic ones almost like shrinky dink material right. if you're old enough to remember those <laughs> i was gonna say you just yeah. probably lost two-thirds of our audience <laughs> so, there but basically this heavy clear plastic with the image on the exterior mm-hmm. and so it doesn't have the white cardboard on that right. rim so it doesn't block line of sight as much those are all mm-hmm. great and expensive easy things to get out yeah. Dan, th- that you can get out there. your cat comment is a good reason to use these over regular minis a cat comes in knocks them all over you're kind of annoyed interrupted your game the cat comes up and knocks over a mini that you've spent time gluing and painting right. and now it's broken because it's fragile versus well, that's, cardboard that, well okay but let me well unless unless you've sold your soul to satan why the f- do you have a cat like why do you have <laughs> one of those fiendish evil demon familiars right. in your house <laughs> let me let why me, let me many places i've gamed have had cats well that's the whole nother need for intervention but let me riff off of something that wayne you just said but i'm going to take it in a bigger or at least different direction which is if i am gaming with minis that are fragile that are painted that are any of these things I now have to do several things that I didn't have to do if I wasn't using minis. One, I have to get them to the game. Mm-hmm. Even yeah. if it's in my house, I have to have some way of transporting substantial numbers of these minis to the field. If it's going to be a battle with a Medusa and five skeletons, well, just for that one encounter, I have to have the Medusa. I have to have the five skeletons. I have to have however many player character minis that are necessary to represent. Oh, and you and you set it up, and it's on the shelf behind you, and you've got a book or something in front of them, so your buddies are none the wiser because you've done this a thousand times. And you turn around and you just you describe to them what the room like when they're walking in, and then you grab that Medusa miniature from behind you and you put it on the table, and people are like, "Oh my god, it's." Okay, but and then I, you deduct XP from them because they shouldn't know. Their uh, character doesn't know what I'm going to do. And the kids that are in the house run in and look at it and think that's a really cool bottle and pick it up and start walking around and drop it and break it. Yeah. Well, okay, well, no, I can't, let's, hold on. don't have children. That's a whole <laughs> other... I mean, leave cats aside. Don't have kids. Uh, My issue with minis more than anything else is it adds something to the game from the standpoint of it, there are a lot of effort to me. Going out, finding one, finding what it looks like, having someone else put it together and paint it because I'm not. Well, hold that though. Let's we'll come back to that one one topic at a time. All right, so let's let's focus on just having the mini, bring it to the game, which may not be at your house. If you want some flexibility, because let's say something occurs in the plot where you realize the Medusa's tied your plot here, so something happened, you need to push off the Medusa encounter. So this means you need to have some unplanned for minis in there right so you got to have something back up in there you have to transport these you have to set them up you have to put them away you're adding a lot of one we'll call it risk reliability whatever you want to call it and two a certain amount of 
administrative setup to the game that was not there otherwise. Now, I'm not saying this is the nail in the coffin. I'm not saying this is the coup de grace yeah. on using this minis. This is not a Sisyphus yeah. and you know, pushing a boulder. But, right, right, right. A lot it, of that it's goes, also not a non-issue. But either. yeah, but I think a this, lot of that goes away if you use like the cardboard ones like I was talking about, except for the I need this now and now I have 2,000 cardboard ones to sort through the right one and how am I going to have these organized to find well, them? Because I could to, never find what I was looking for. Can you for go to uline.com and you get... you get, Okay. All right. Yes, there are ways of organizing them. I had this yeah. in Battletech. When I was playing earlier Battletech, all right, the first way you got tons and tons of the miniatures was some of the box sets and such did not come with miniatures. They came with the cardboard cutouts that you put in a little rubber stand and you moved them around that way. And one of the first like big ways of getting more mechs and vehicles they had was Battletech Reinforcements and Battletech Reinforcements 2. And I had Reinforcements 2. And what that is is a whole bunch of sheets of punch-out cardboard stand-ups and a ton of these little rubber things. And it was like, I don't know, 100, 200 mechs in there. And so, yeah, I had to figure out a way. I got a little container that had different compartments to it and i put them by letter in different compartments so i mean if i wanted an ostrock i could at least you know ballpark it was going to be in the o so i might be looking past the orion and the os scout and the os sol and whatever but it was like i was digging through 200 of these things to find it so i'm i'm not saying these are insurmountable problems but i'm just saying these are problems you now have to add into oh, your sure. calculus the, the amount of money and time that i have yeah. spent on storage alone is probably embarrassing <laughs> but the flip side to to the time coin for me it is catharsis right to sit down at my table with a miniature and try to figure out how i'm going to incorporate this miniature into the game right who this NPC is or how I'm going to convert this model. So it better represents Dan's PC or Wayne's PC, what have you. But then even more so to be able to sit down with a multi-part polystyrene kit and another multi-part styrene kit and start bashing heads and bodies and arms and equipment and making this thing that is utterly unique. It's not just a game piece, right? It's a single serve diorama. It is that, a completely different hobby. That sounds okay. excruciating. Yeah. Now, now, let's, <laughs> now we'll unload that one. I think that, we've moved points. What if you don't enjoy bro or you do, and I've yeah. known other people do as well. Yeah. They enjoy the entire hobby of, miniature building miniature painting and obviously there are whole hobbies apart from role-playing games people that build miniature ships or miniature planes or miniature cars yeah people the whole hobby the whole model i I do gundams i do gundams i can snap together that don't involve glue that and i have gotten into a little bit of filing things down and like pens the the paint pens but that's the extent of it. Right. But, I am intimidated by even gluing together a pewter model. Yeah. So I think, okay, you've got an easy out here. If someone in your group is really big into that hobby, that they'll sit there and watch a TV show. And while they're doing it, they'll be putting together 12 soldiers and 
chewing on lead and eating paint and all, yeah, the, or or getting high listening to Joe Rogan, whatever, and yeah. still eating paint. But, oh, I'll eat, I'll eat a lot of f-ing paint. <laughs> and, <I know. laughs> and that works it out for you, right? What would your advice be to someone like me or Wayne or Chad? Who let's say for some let's say it's well, I, think this, I think this is an abortion issue, right? I think that oh boy. <laughs> I think that I think that both sides are infirmly entrenched, and I don't think that there's anything that I'm going to be able to say to turn no, you no. I mean, maybe to, there is to minute to miniature people. This is the, no, this isn't a setup. This really is a question of do you know some backdoor way? Excuse, don't go chase that. But do you know some kind of left-handed workaround to say for someone like, let's say Chad Wayne and I have decided we're going to play a Battletech game. Okay, so we're going to use the minis, but none of us are big into the entire craft, the hobby of miniatures. What do you suggest? Or let's say you're running a D&D game and you're very, very insistent. I want everyone to have at least a semi-accurate fig. And I want to well, really go all in me, on well, that. For, okay, well, in that situation, in situation two, you just tell me what your character is. And then when you come over to my house to play D&D, I have a few figures lined up in front of your seat. And you just tell me which one of those you want to use. And if they're not good enough, then I'll just, I'll convert one. I'll find, I will figure it out. We'll make something work, right? But that's because I'm an insane person. <laughs> in the Battletech example, what I would need to know is, what exactly are you trying to accomplish? Do you want your miniatures painted? Is that what you're looking to do? Are you looking to add terrain to your game? Because if you're looking to paint, there are some easy, easy resources out there for you to paint your miniature right. to a tabletop standard. Well, isn't there now that three-step thing where you like dip it in something, dip it in something else? So you've else, got you've got two you've rolled got, up smoke it now. You've got you've got two avenues to explore and my I'm not sponsored by any of these people, but I am sponsored by Stanley Airplane Keys. When you absolutely positively <laughs> have to take over the airliner, Stanley Airplane Keys. But um <laughs> I'm not going to explain that. I know what it means, <laughs> but I'm not explaining it. But so you've got the dip method, right? And so right. the dip method is basically min wax, right? And you're going to take your miniature, you're going to put your standard base coats on it, and then you're going to put it on a pair of pliers, hold it by the, you know, hold the base with a pair of pliers or do what I do. You get a galvanized f-ing roofing nail. You hot glue it to the bottom of the base. You take your drill, you put the nail, you screw it into your drill, you dip the miniature into your dip. Then you take your five gallon Lowe's bucket and just let your dip and then just turn that motherfucker upside down put it in your little custom-made stand that you made and just let it go. Super, super easy, inexpensive, cheap way to shade your miniature. Hit it with an anti-shine dull coat, f***ing done. You've spent maybe an hour working on that one figure and it is tabletop ready to rock. So for someone like you, that's simple, that's nothing. For me, everything you describe is a lot of setup. It's a lot more than I know how to do or want to know how to do. And the idea of spending an hour on one little figure is way more than I want to spend on it. I'm pretty casual about gaming. I put a lot of work into gaming from a mental standpoint. Like my characters, I really think about my characters. I really think about where they're from philosophically. And I made a paramedic character. So what I did is I did some research on 
what is a paramedic? What does it take to be a paramedic? Blah, blah, blah. All this sort of stuff that will never come up in game. It just informs my view of my character. And I find that interesting because I like learning about different things. I like reading about that stuff anyway. But the thing is, when the rubber meets the road, Dan, Mm -hmm. when I actually show up to game, I'm very casual about it. You know, I want to show up. I want to have everything in place. I want to show up. I want to game, hang with my friends and do it and go. Chad has said many times his preferred gaming method isn't at a table. It's sitting on couches with right. no table in front yeah. of it. Yeah, so, all right, let's mm. let's use mm-hmm. D&D as an example, because, you know, nobody does that. <laughs> yeah, and let's take, I think we've talked enough about the barrier of building the models right, right. and all so, of that. So let's, skip so let's that. say we, we had a guy in our group before, mm. Dave, we've talked about him on the show a long time ago, where if we wanted a mini for a game, he would go out and big it for us. Or, nowadays... You get on eBay and you just buy a lot well, of painted yeah. minis There's also for a game some, that isn't popular anymore. People Boom, listen to the show, like Heather Phillips, that are, are good at working up minis and stuff. So, I mean, you can find people on Etsy or wherever. Uh, you, can, you, can, you can send stuff to Blue Table, and you can have entire armies painted. You can have stuff assembled by other people. There are literal services out there that you buy the toy soldier and then mail the toy soldier to them. They'll do all the work and mail it back to you. Yeah. So I think there's options for that. So let's let's just get past that. And let's now just talk about the desire or the value or lack of value. However we feel about this of the presence of minis. So if we look at D and D, if you look at second edition, it was possible to use minis. There were some rules for it, but the game was, 90 some odd percent really not meant for minis. You had a map to kind of doodle out where things were, and that was about the extent of it. Once you got to 3035, it didn't flip quite as extremely, but it did flip rather extremely to where you 25% didn't have to have minis, but 75%, no, you really did have to have minis. And then you get to 5e, where they've kind of flipped it back the other way, where now. You 25% totally can use minis if you want to, but 75% really don't need so, to. But with, with D&D... Pathfinder being an offshoot of D&D 3.0 and 3.5 obviously followed that chain as well. Pathfinder is somewhat difficult to play, if not very difficult to play, if you don't have a map because the exact numbers of squares and the exact speed of things... And who's standing where and who moved past who. And the radius of my enlarged fireball. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, that crap really matters. It's, I mean, you can play the game and sort of estimate that, but the game really isn't meant for that. So with 5e, there's very little about the miniatures in there. But when you actually look at what a lot of the spells do, they talk about things in feet, in cones, in circles, in spheres. I found when I was doing the D&D Adventure Leagues, I tend to run Theater of the Mind. That's how I prefer to run it. Occasionally, people would ask for that, though. They would ask for the table and miniatures. And when they would, I'd put it down, I'd draw it out, and we would do that. Because for some people, they need that representation to see what options they have. When I think about a player like you, Dan, when you're, you've talked about how you, know, you always build things in so your GM can't screw you over, minis are a good way for that when you have adversarial yes. players versus gms which is not healthy at all yeah i was gonna say minis is not the solution it's no a it's symptom. not no. it's not healthy at all but it makes for some players it gives them that sense of i know that i'm 30 feet away not 25 feet away so that spell wouldn't work on me if he casts sure it. well there's something there to hold the gm as accountable as the player let's take for the people that need that let's take a really really simple example that isn't even 
all that critical to the rules or, or whatever. Let's say that everyone at this table was a perfect artist. Okay, every one of us were just a boss with pen and paper and paint and whatever. Okay, so we were we're gr- not we're not none <laughs> of us are. But let's just say we were really mad illustrators. We we're good at this. And I was to ask everyone at this table to simply draw. Let's use the skies of glass actual play. There's a character in their name Pops to draw what the character Pops looks like. He's a black guy in my mind. Uh, exactly. We don't even agree on what race he is. Now, part of that's because it doesn't really matter to the character. It's right. not. It was never said. It doesn't matter. Yeah, it's never said. It doesn't matter. I picture a really big belly. Like yeah. a kind of like a Santa-like character is how I've always looked at See, it. See, and I picture him not so much. But bald. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, no, I picture. I've always pictured him more like, uh, oh, who's the guy I'm thinking of? But he's sort of this woodsman, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't know, like this Canadian rough Paul Bunyan. Type. Yeah, well, yeah, he's got thick white hair, thick white beard. Mm. He's more, now I'm just thinking red green. He's well, imagine if, that's terrible. He's more barrel chested than big bellied. Uh, he's just kind of this enormous, nothing fine or diminutive about him. His hands are huge, and mm-hmm. you know he's he's not necessarily all that strong, but he's just this big bear of a man. You picture him as bald. Chad pictures him right. All right, now let's take this to miniatures. You describe a scene. I let's say there's no adversarial crap going on here. That I'm not right. at war with you. You're not at war with me. We're not playing to win. We're playing for fun. Healthy relationship. What makes you think I picture that scene the same way you do? Yeah, we've had this happen at the table. And before. I'm like, I'm going to throw a cone of cold down this hallway. Well, that hit maybe one of them. Bullshit. What you just described it hit all of them. No, it hit one of them. Okay. We need to put take this to minis. You need to show me because, you know, I don't from Missouri. Yeah, exactly. You need to show me. Show me. Right. I've seen that happen quite a few times in games where we've had to grab a sheet of paper and just do a quick draft of here's what's on here because of people viewing things differently. Things are. And I did have a GM. I don't know if the GM was being adversarial or just annoying. I actually tend toward the latter. Everything is 31 feet away when you're shooting, 29 feet away when they're shooting. Well, it came up more for attacks of opportunity that for some reason we were simultaneously like this is this weird fourth dimensional thing where whenever I moved, the enemies were four feet, 11 inches away for their attacks of opportunity. Whenever they moved, they were five feet and one inches away. Well, And I know for some GMs, it's easier to have them, too, because let's say you're in you're in the middle of uh, combat. And I want to do burning hands. That's a cone attack. I asked Chad, hey, how many of these can I hit with this? How many for do you him, want to hit? Yeah, for him, he's immediately going to come up with that number. There are a lot of GMs like that don't think like that. They're trying to figure see, out what makes sense for them to fit within a cone. How well, many of, where see, are that, my people in that's it? That's my use problem it. with it because I cheat. I'm a game master who cheats all the time. And as I've said on past shows... Everybody who's like starts frothing at the mouth about, oh, that's terrible that you cheat and all that. I will posit that every single game master in existence cheats, but that's an entire other show. But I cheat. And so but not in the way that Dan's crazy. You know, I know who it is, but with the 29 feet, 30 feet thing. My thing is, Wayne asked me, well, I want to do burning hands, cone effect, whatever. How many of these guys can I hit? And I'm sitting there thinking either a man, this team, these guys, the PCs, they've been getting their bell rung, man. They have been rope-a-dope through this entire fight because it's Wayne and he's rolling one after one after one. Nobody can even cheat out of that hole. So (laughs) 
I got to give these guys something. I got to throw them a bone. And I'm like, oh, yeah, you can hit five of these assholes. And Wayne's like, there's only three. And I'm like, that you're that good, Wayne. <laughs> you just or, haven't spotted the other two free XP things right, yet. Right. <laughs> or it could be like, you know what? These guys have been nat 20 all night. They have been rolling through. I mean, great. I'm like, man, they are loving it. They are on fire tonight. But between you and me, imaginary friend in my head, they have it a little too easy. And there's just no tension. So Wayne's like, well, how many of these guys can I hit? Well, you're in a narrow corridor and they're kind of lined out. So I'm going to say like one or two. I cheat. Minis take that away. Minis yep. have everything above the table. Everything is fair. Well, they just which... make you cheat different. Yeah. Well, and that's yeah. You have to be clever. Yeah. You can, yeah. you can, and as somebody who also is a cheater, is a cheater yeah. GM, you can cheat with figs. You just have to. Hit points do, is a yeah. great one. Yeah. You, you just have to develop different tricks. Hit yeah. point, what's that? Whose line is it anyway? Where the numbers are made up and the score yeah. doesn't matter. Yeah. Hit points yeah. are the same way. Yeah, They're the made big, up and they don't matter. The they die when they need to. I said, the thing about it is who's at your table. There are people that I've played with. I said, because I've done a mm-hmm. lot of the, for a while there, I did organized play. There are people that See, for yeah, them, I wouldn't necessarily do that in organized play. Those people are there for a different reason. Yeah. There are okay. some of them that, for them, part of the fun of the combat yeah. is the tactical, the tactic yeah. and the strategic. You don't get that level of tactics and maneuvering things without the minis. It is, right. it is a tool that not only enhances immersion for many players, but it is also a tool for people who want a simulation. Yeah. For people that mm-hmm. want to replicate combat. Now, for me, what you were saying earlier, Wayne, that Sometimes it feels like, well, it's just a separate game. Yeah. Well, on some level it is, right? Because you've gone from being your character, being emotional, being involved, and doing a lot of heavy role-playing to now we're going to break this game down to life versus death. And that's defined by these parameters of these mechanics. And he doesn't play like that. All right. But there are some people that, like, when I look at the minis, I feel limited. Yeah. I feel there's less things I can do. There are other people that don't know what they can do if they don't see the minis. Wayne, it's the type of player. Wayne has played games under me, like we'll say 5th edition, for example, where he plays a young, naive wizard or whatever. And he. I got a fig for that. Yeah, I'm sure. And he isn't playing optimal. Like in role play, he makes mistakes. He goes up, he's all mad, and he pushes his finger into the guard's chest who's six eight and says do you know who i am and pop his his ass kick he gets his ass kick cool great role play when it goes to combat wayne does the same thing because for him there is no separate game for that now and i i totally get what what you're saying i mean there it's just just styles and groups there are groups who totally into the role play but when it comes down to the math it's just it's just This has been a production of Fear the Boot, copyright 2020. Listeners are free to use this episode in a non-commercial endeavor, so long as credit is provided to feartheboot.com. You can find previous episodes and other resources at feartheboot.com. If you wish to support this show and its related endeavors, you can do so at patreon.com slash feartheboot.